Kobe Covington dominates Jorge Masvidal over five rounds in the grudge match of the century at UFC 272. I'm here to share some thoughts about the fight and just a few thoughts about what happened throughout the event, right? But before I do that, my name is Rahul J. Chan. This is the Battle Camp. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing. All right, so look, I'm not going to dwell on the fight itself too much, right? But what I just quickly want to say is in my preview video, um, what, I, what I kind of alluded to is how um, I've, I watched Jorge Masvidal in the build-up and I watched his interviews and the things that he said and the conviction that he had um, when he spoke about those old sparring sessions that he had with Kobe. And I felt as though there was some credence to that. And to me, it felt as though Jorge Masvidal's confidence was based in some form of reality right so when i was um talking to fuck's sake man when i was talking to gianni sorry man i forgot your surname on instagram uh he, he asked me what who you know what do i think is going to happen and I, I remember messaging saying i think jorge masvidal has a secret and then the next morning i had to message him and say well it turns out he didn't have a secret and that's pretty much because the way the fight played out is how we all anticipated is the most likely scenario throughout those five rounds, which is Kobe Covington dominating Jorge Masvidal, Kobe Covington closing the distance, turning the fight into grappling and wrestling exchanges and him winning the fight in those areas, right? And that's pretty much what we saw. But aside from that, um, with Kobe Covington, what I was impressed by is on the feet, he seemed more dynamic than Jorge Masvidal. Um, there's a lot of kind of times in the fight where he landed clean flush on the jaw of Jorge. And that was supposed to be the area in which Jorge was supposedly had the advantage. And when the fight did go to the ground, I was quite impressed by just the, the speed of Kobe Covington, the way he was able to advance position, take Jorge Masvidal's back, etc, etc. Because Jorge Masvidal defending the takedown is one thing, but once they're on the ground, I felt as though Jorge Masvidal would be better at just stifling Kobe Covington. And that wasn't the case. And um, we all know Kobe Covington has energy for days. And he displayed that over the five rounds, right? Now, if you look at Jorge Masvidal, um, he went back to the corner after the end of the first round, maybe certainly after the second round with his hands on his head like this. He was knackered. He was already tired after 10 minutes of, of fighting. Now, I don't know. I don't know what to put that down to because it looked as though he was in very good shape, right? And Jorge Masvidal, I don't know, man. But like he's just signed this big new bumper contract. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where he is currently, because if you look back at his 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 kind of his his rise in terms of popularity and um, people believing in his talents and skills as a fighter, right? And now he's on what is he on a three fight losing streak now after losing to Kamaru twice and then Kobe. Is that a three fight losing? Yeah, three fight. And the fight, the, the fight prior to that was Nate Diaz in 2019. And I think, I think personally speaking, I feel as though that fight against Nate Diaz is where he looked at his, his best in recent times, especially as a welterweight. 
right? Because he's been campaigning for the most part as a as a lightweight throughout his career. And from then to how he looked against Kobe Covington on the feet, I see a world of difference. Now, I don't know whether that's because when he fought Nate Diaz, he just wasn't threatened by a, uh, a possible takedown from Nate Diaz. So he was he was able to just express himself on the feet because he wasn't constantly um, both, uh, what's the word, both um, mentally on the defense and physically bracing himself for a takedown attempt and he was able to flow and let his hands go and against Kobe he was kind of in that in that kind of mind state and physically on edge waiting for Kobe to shoot for a takedown which allowed which which kind of restricted his um, striking output I don't know right I don't know or whether and this is what I'm a little bit afraid of um, whether Jorge Masvidal has aged overnight because 2019 November is when he fought Nate Diaz and we're now in 2022 and the next time he fights will probably be around that sort of time of the year right end of the year last quarter of the year so that will be three years ago the next time he steps into the octagon and a lot can change in three years and has Jorge Masvidal now started that decline that age brings with it I don't know. Um, I don't know where he goes. Like, I don't know where he goes from here in terms of next opponent. I, I feel as though a a um, a title run now is just totally out of the picture, having lost to Kobe Covington, especially in the manner in which he has, and with the other contenders in that division. Um, I can see a potential fight with Leon Edwards if Leon Edwards doesn't beat Kamaru Usman because they're supposedly fighting in the summer. Um, obviously, Nate Diaz is there. Obviously, Conor McGregor is there. But when you start moving into the realm of fighting a Nate Diaz or a Conor McGregor, um, then it's just you're fighting for the sake of trying to gain the most traction and and views. You're not on the on on a trail of winning a title, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that oh he shouldn't be doing that. But the point I'm trying to make is Jorge Masvidal has been very vocal about wanting to win that belt. And his next move will be interesting to see whether that's still on his mind or whether now it's just a case of, right, let's try and get involved in the biggest fights possible. Speaking of trying to get involved in the biggest fights possible, Kobe Covington, as soon as he beats Jorge Masvidal, he calls out Dustin Poirier. Now, look. Um, I respect Kobe Covington as a fighter. Um, I was very complimentary about him at the start of this video, about the way he, I, I felt as though um, he looked better than he than I've seen him look on the ground. The way he it wasn't just he wasn't just holding Jorge Masvidal. He constantly was advancing position. It wasn't just a case of right. I've got him on the ground. Let's try and keep him here as long as we can, so we can win the round. Like. It felt as though he was trying his best to try and, 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 and cause damage and make statements and win rounds. Although I don't know whether he ever really came close to a, 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 a submission, right? With that being said, the call out of Dustin Poirier. <clears throat> um, like, if you're going to call someone out, right, especially if someone is in a weight class below you, then you have to make some sort of... You have to make some sort of adjustment with your call out, right? 
and I have seen him say, I think I did see him say in a, in a pre, maybe the post-fight press conference that he can get down to 160 something, 163 or something like that. Um, he's very open about the fact that he doesn't cut weight and he reckons Dustin Poirier walks around heavier than him. But I don't know, I always find it a little bit ooh, when you call out someone in a weight class below you. Especially if that person hasn't really been here talking mountains of, of crap about you. Do you know what I mean? Like I know these two have fallen out, but Dustin Poirier has never blatantly come out and just gone on a tirade about Kobe Covington. Um, he's answered questions that he's been asked and he's, in my opinion, answered them honestly, right? Um, Kobe Covington calling out um, Dustin Poirier for me, the way in which he did it first and foremost... Um, the insults that he he kind of threw at Kobe Covington's misses and and his child like I I don't have I don't have any like Kobe Covington's brand of um, trash talking doesn't do anything for me right because one thing that I I appreciate the, the things that I appreciate in fighters and and and, and when they talk talk trash the the, the brand that I like is let's just take Nate Diaz for example when Nate Diaz opens his mouth he's not playing a character he's just being himself I like that when Nate Diaz says things it's off the cuff he hasn't thought about it before rehearsed it and then come out and and spat those bars effectively it's usually just off the cuff right same way Conor McGregor a few years ago like Especially that press conference between the first one, the first time Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor fought each other when they was going back and forth. That was just freestyle. It was them, they were just going back and forth, responding to what the other guy had said, right? Now, I know when Kobe Covington called out Dustin Poirier, he, you know, Dustin Poirier wasn't there for him to respond to. But the, the problem that Kobe Covington's got is he has these lines in his head that he hasn't fully remembered them. So a lot of the time he stumbles over his words. And... He's learned all of this stuff and he hasn't actually practiced the, uh, <laughs> he hasn't actually practiced saying them out loud because a lot of the time he just rushes through it, which is why he stumbles. But you can tell this guy's practiced this, like he's thought about this. And then on top of that, it's not really very clever or funny or interesting. It's just kind of to get a reaction, but the reaction it often kind of pulls out of me is, oh. Like a cringe sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? It's weird, man. I, I kind of... I don't know if you guys have noticed with this, but when it comes to Kobe Covington, like, have you seen... the? I don't know whether this is part of his gimmick, but when he smiles... You know when someone smiles in real life, you can see it in the eyes that this guy or this girl is smiling because, they, you know, your eyes change when you smile. When Kobe Covington smiles, it's like... It's like Wallace and Gromit. I don't know if you guys know what Wallace and Gromit is, but it's like a... It's like a program. It's not even a cartoon. It's like an animation out of plasticine, I think. But the way he kind of smiles, it's, it's kind of forced and fake. But his eyes, <clears throat> he just looks dead in the eyes. And sometimes I worry, is Kobe Covington like just depressed or something? It must be so exhausting just playing this character every time a camera's on. It's like the Truman Show. But Truman didn't know he was Truman. Kobe knows he's Kobe. He's, he's being Kobe, right? And, like, I don't know. I, like, 
it's I can't imagine enjoying being hated by people that don't know me. Like I can't like I get comments on YouTube, right? And you know, like I don't get many comments full stop, right? But sometimes I do get comments where people are, are, are rude. And <clears throat> I'm not gonna lie, it does sometimes you do think, fucking bastard. What are you saying that about me for? Like it's just a natural reaction. But imagine being Kobe where you know, there's a, a huge percentage of people that just don't like you. But it's actually, having said that, there were quite a lot of cheers for Kobe in the arena. Like, whilst I was watching the fight, there was a lot of chance going up for Kobe. But I don't care for him fighting Dustin Poirier. And, and slyly, slyly, I feel as though there's a, the elephant in the room is, is, is a, guy named, a guy named Kamzat. And this, this attempt to, to kind of get Dustin Poirier to fight him, <clears throat> what is that? Because if you truly believe you're the pound for pound best fighter in the world, if you truly believe you beat Kamaru Usman, then surely you should be trying to fight at legit 170 pound contenders to get yourself back in the title picture as soon as possible. Now, like say for example, Robert Whitaker, if he put on put on another two or three fight win streak, and Izzy keeps winning, then you have no choice but to give him another title shot, right? And I feel Kobe Covington is in that same boat just because he kind of finished that second fight quite strongly. It was a close fight. So he, he would legit justify a title shot, but he needs to beat legit contenders in that division. And I'm not saying that he's physically scared to fight Kamzat, but these guys aren't stupid. And I feel as though they, they, they are calculating the risk involved in fighting a Kamzat because nobody really quite knows at this moment where his ceiling is. We're going to find out in April when he fights Gilbert Burns, right? But at this point, he can either be the best that's ever done it or just a massive hype train because of the level of competition he's, cover he, he's fought in the UFC at this point. But... If you're Kobe Covington, maybe it's a case of, all right, Leon fights Kamaru in the summer. It may well work out that the winner of Gilbert Burns and Kamzat gets the next shot, if it's Kamzat, basically. And then Kobe fights Dustin Poirier in his head, maybe another fight, and then back him for a title. Maybe he doesn't want to do the gauntlet of top 170-pound fighters. I don't know, man. But I didn't care much for the call out of Dustin Poirier because of the fact that Dustin Poirier campaigns at £155 and the fact that the manner in which he called him out, I, I didn't find it entertaining, fun. And I don't really find that fight compelling. I don't really care for it, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, my thoughts on the main event. Now, moving down to RDA against uh, Mykano. Um, RDA looked impressive. RDA done what RDA does. I don't really have much to say about this fight in particular. Like, I didn't really see anything in RDA that I didn't know. All I will say is obviously the change, the late change of opponent. I would have much preferred to have liked seen him fight um, Fiziev, but obviously we all know what happened there. I'm going to make a separate video talking about RDA and um and Islam Makachev and the how that all played out and you know what Dana said and I've just seen Islam Makachev's interview with Brett Okamoto uh, so I want to kind of make a separate video talking about all of that but just focusing on this fight in particular um I don't know man like I, I don't really have anything to say and I mean that in the nicest possible way because nothing RDA did shocked me and I appreciate just how good RDA is. 
It's just a case now at this point, does he still have enough to beat the best in the division? And who does he fight next? Those are the two questions now, right? Um, RDA, I heard him briefly on uh, the MMA hour on Monday, just gone. And he was talking about, you know, how he wouldn't mind fighting Connor. And it makes sense, there's history there. Connor needs an opponent when he comes back. And beating someone like RDA would put him, you know, put the cat amongst the pigeons, as it were, put him back in a potential uh, position to fight for a title. Um, but obviously, I'll, I'll talk about that a bit later in a different video as well. But um, that's kind of it. I don't really have much on RDA. But big up for uh, Mike Carno for hanging in the way he did. And for making it to fight night, right? Because he was a very late, late replacement with a long flight to get to, to Vegas. Is this, was it in Vegas? Yeah, to get to Vegas and then cut the weight to fight on Saturday. And he managed to do all of that. So fair play to him. Uh, Bryce Mitchell against Edson Barboza. Now, I posted a video about Bryce Mitchell a while back, uh, about two weeks back. And in... For me, it's doing numbers. It's probably done like 5,000, 6,000 views now or something like that. And considering on average I'd probably do about 100 views per video, it's blown up, right? But it's mostly people that hate me and they think that I hate Bryce Mitchell because I said that I, um, I watched his interview with Ariel Hawani and I mentioned that I didn't... I didn't agree with some of the things that he said. Um, I mentioned that some of the things that he said made me cringe. And yeah, uh, a lot of people hate me because of that. Because it turns out a lot of people agree with the stuff that Bryce Mitchell was saying. And personally, the point I was trying to make is I didn't feel as though Bryce Mitchell um, did justice to his point of view by the way he argued it effectively. Um, but I don't want to get into that too much, so you can watch that video yourself. 6.6k views, so like, you know, it's done, I'm just checking it now. It's still going, man, it's done, it's done 6,600 views, and most of those are people that hate me. So if you're back, thank you for watching this. Um, but yeah, Bryce Mitchell, like, he impressed me on Saturday night, and he impressed me because, who did he find, was it, um, touchy-feely was that his last opponent give me one second let me check this i'm pretty sure it was <clears throat> but i just want to make sure uh yeah andre feely in 2020 now um during that fight it looked as though there was a big gap between um feely stand up and bryce mitchell stand up and the way bryce mitchell was striking you could see that he had a lot of work to do and a lot of improvements to make right and because there was such a gap between the striking he was struggling to close the distance and i know feely is quite tall for a featherweight uh, so his reach is good but he was struggling to close the distance and get the takedowns right um on saturday night against Edson Barboza, who is known for being a very, very high-level kickboxer, um, Bryce Mitchell didn't look like that. Like, even, and I know you can't take much away from watching uh, the fighters shadow box for the photo shoots when they first put on the UFC shorts and gloves and stuff, or, you know, the little video packages they play before the fight, and Bryce Mitchell especially put on his camouflage shorts, but... Like, even watching, and, and, and in, in, in Countdown, and in, um, I don't know if it was Embedded or Countdown, but I saw him, like, hitting pads or something or another, and it just kind of looked a bit kind of robotic, not very fluid. 
And I, I kind of had that feeling that, oh, is Edson Barboza like a step too far for him? Did he need like a little cheeky fight between Feely and then getting to Barboza's level? Because once you hit Barboza, that's it. You're, you're fighting the top five. Um, but he looked, he looked like he looked good, man. He looked quicker. He committed to his shots. He, he landed. I think he knocked Barboza down in the first round or was it the second round? Um, but I feel as though he's a problem. Bryce Mitchell is now a problem, and last time I saw him fight, I felt he might have some problems, but he's he's definitely working on resolving those problems, and that's his stand-up, and fair play to him, man, despite what people think, um, I'm a fan of Bryce Mitchell's, I like Bryce Mitchell, I like watching him fight, I like watching him talk on podcasts, just because I don't align politically, uh, I don't align the whole way politically with him, um, it doesn't mean I can't enjoy him as a human being pause uh but do you know what i mean like i still like him just because i don't agree with everything that he says it doesn't mean that i can't like him like if you can if you have to just not like everyone that has slightly different political views to you then what's the point do you know what i mean like what is the point but yeah let's uh, i don't want to keep, keep dwelling on that it's just i've had a lot of a lot of comments on that video and a lot of it just spun me because it's clearly people don't even pay attention that, that's half the problem with this world at the moment because people don't put the effort in to pay attention and understand what someone's saying but because they have the a, ability to react they can't wait to use that option and that's one thing that I found um, after posting that video um, about Bryce Mitchell and his interview. Uh, Kevin Holland moved down to welterweight. And, I mean, I thought he would win against Alex Oliveira. One thing that I... I, I just looking at Kevin Holland during the weigh-ins. And Alex Oliveira isn't a guy that is really going to um, give you the opportunity to show just how strong you are at a weight, right? But Kevin Holland physically looked quite impressive in terms of the physique that he came in on. And I always felt he was really undersized at 185 pounds. Um, maybe not undersized, but physically weaker than his opponents a lot of the time. So it feels, felt as though he came in maybe, I, I don't know, uh, between 185 and 195 pounds, whereas his opponents were coming in over 200 after weighing in, right? And that's why he looked like they were, or they looked like they were stronger than him. And at 170 pounds, he physically looked like a big 170 pounder. So it'll be interesting if he continues to make improvements in his wrestling, where that takes him. Because we all know that he's very capable on the feet and he's good at jiu-jitsu. If he can improve his defensive wrestling and even improve his offensive wrestling to actually take get his own takedowns and, and bring that like make that a threat for opponents it'll be interesting to see how far he can go at 170 pounds um i don't really want to talk about this but sergey spivak just dominated greg hardy didn't he and is that greg hardy done now is this the <coughs> the greg hardy experiment is finally over I mean, he's still young for a heavyweight, 33 years old, so there's still plenty of time for him to improve. One thing that I will say is, you know, seeing Rashad Evans in his corner, I like Rashad Evans, so it makes me think, maybe Greg Hardy isn't all bad, but obviously he's got a reputation and he's been labelled a certain way because of things that have happened in his past. And I just don't really care, like, for me, because he's not like a, I can imagine, I can see why, right? <clears throat> because back in the day... A cricket player called um, Freddie Flintoff had a boxing match 
and it captured the imagination of the UK public because there's a cricket player going to box. Now, I don't know how famous this Craig Hardy was as an American footballer, but I can imagine why when he first started fighting, it was almost it was like a big deal, right? Despite the cloud that was hanging over him. But now he's lost three in a row. <clears throat> so, I mean, what more else is there for him to do? <clears throat> yeah time to say bye bye probably but anyway these are my thoughts on ufc 272 please feel free to share your own thoughts in the comments below please feel free to react to anything that i've said in this video <coughs> and um got a really itchy throat oh by the way i must say big up to i forget his name now but i was on the phone to ee just now um because i'm transferring from uh from I'm transferring from Vodafone to EE and I was on the phone to his geezer, he's Welsh, he's Hannah Welsh and it turns out he's an MMA fan and we got talking and I, I, I said to him, subscribe to my channel, I said to him, have you got a pen and paper? He went, <coughs> he went, yeah, I said, write this down, the battle camp, and I said, subscribe to it, that's my YouTube channel and then we started talking more about MMA and stuff like that and he was upset because he didn't get tickets either, nor did I. He's a Kobe Covington fan. And I knew, I could tell that he's a hardcore fan when someone tells you that Kobe Covington's their favourite fighter. And it wasn't because of the shit that he talks, but it was just the way he fights. And he really appreciated that Kobe Covington is a very, very, very good fighter. And I can appreciate him appreciating that. And I'll tell you what, it's quite funny, right? Because UFC London's coming next week. And he mentioned that he couldn't get tickets. And I mentioned, obviously, I couldn't get tickets. And we're both upset about it. Last night, <clears throat> literally last night, I had a dream. I had a dream, right? And I don't know where I was. And I feel like it might have been like a, a media day workout, like a, a, a fighter workout during fight week. And I was like, um, I was kind of like on a balcony, but there was no fighters around, but there's a big crowd around us, right? And I'm looking down and underneath Dana White's walking Dana White made an appearance in my dream and I went Dana 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 give me give me a ticket can I have a ticket please can I have a ticket ringside I was saying something like cage side and he was looking up and he goes to me he, <laughs> he goes to me yeah dude text me text me and I go I ain't got your number I ain't got your number and then he goes um uh um I said take down my Twitter take down that follow me on Twitter I said I think and then he called his like assistant over and he was like, take this dude's Twitter down, take this dude's Twitter down. And then I woke up. So that's how desperate I am for these fucking tickets. That's how desperate I'm dreaming about asking Dana White personally for tickets. And yeah, in case you're wondering, that's the first time Dana White's ever made an appearance in one of my dreams. Um, <clears throat> on that note, <clears throat> I've got something in my throat. I need to drink some water. But anyway, I'll catch you guys uh, next time. Please feel free to like, share, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Bye for now.